0: Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message is a continuation in the series, Jesus Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. We'll have you take your Bibles with me this morning. We've been studying in the Gospel of Luke. And so we're picking up in this chapter 15, which is a, just a great chapter. Chapter 15. And we're going to begin in verse 1 this morning. So, very appropriate for us to be able to to look at this passage this morning on Memorial Weekend. One of the great freedoms we have is being able to worship, being able to share the gospel. Let's look together. This is beginning in verse 1 of Luke 15. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him, being Jesus, to hear Him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Let's have prayer once again together. Lord, I thank you for letting us be able to come today. We're so grateful to be able to have an opportunity to worship you, to be able to study your word and allow it to impact our lives. And today, Lord, our prayer is that you would do just that that you would impact each one of us. Maybe there's someone that's lost today and needs to be able to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone that's not living like they should and just wants today would be a day of recommitment. And then, Lord, there's others that are just walking in different places in life, facing difficulties, adversities, and challenges. And I just ask that you would help each of us to draw near to you. And may you speak to us and give us what we need today. I thank you for all that you do, and I pray for your blessings now. In Jesus' name, amen. Margaret, she attended school in Louisville. She actually is a graduate from uh, the Christian Academy. And so one time during chapel, they had a fellow that came and spoke at the Christian Academy. And uh, this guy, he uh, had a patch over one eye. I believe he had a hook for an arm. Is an artificial limb that he had. See, this fella, when he was 26, he was a high school football coach, and he gave that up to join the United States Marine Corps, and he was sent to Vietnam and led a troop there. And they come under attack. Two of the men were killed; four were badly injured, him being one of them. And he was miraculously flown out. And in a short period of time, he ended up having about 30 surgeries. Of course today he goes through and he speaks all over the country about Jesus Christ. but why would somebody be willing to sacrifice like that? That's basically the history of our country is that people have given sacrifice for a reason. part of that is what we call our Bill of Rights, our Constitution. and part of the Constitution is the Bill of Rights which is the first Ten amendments. Now many of us know the Second Amendment, which is the right for people to keep and to bear arms. But the First Amendment, the First Amendment says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble to petition the government's redress of grievances what that means we have freedom and they fought so that we could have that freedom to be able to worship we don't have a state religion the government doesn't say you've got to do this or you can't do this we're able to come and to worship we're able not only to do that but we're able to share and to speak the good news of the gospel we have the right and the freedom to do that the government they can't say you can't go and tell somebody else about Christ. We have the freedom to be able to do that. That's part of the Bill of Rights. That's part of the Constitution. That is part of the reason that people laid down their life so that we could have that freedom. Now, as we move into this chapter, what we see is that Jesus had been sharing good news and people were mad about it. They were mad. It's kind of hard to believe that somebody would be grumbling about trying to help somebody else. But that's exactly what's going on. The Pharisees are grumbling about Jesus. And you know what they said? Verse 2, look what it says. It says that he received sinners. <laughs> the word received basically means this. It means to welcome favorably. Jesus welcomed sinners, tax collectors, favorably. Jesus, remember the last chapter, he had ended... What happens is salt loses its saltiness. And he said, he that hath ear, let him hear. And who was it that's approaching him? It's the tax collectors. It's the, quote, sinners. Now, listen, Jesus is not condoning sin. Not at all. He's not condoning sin. But what he is doing is he's saying, I love people. I care about people. And so these individuals could tell. And they come to hear, and Jesus shared a message. What message did Jesus share? If you read throughout the New Testament, Jesus shared a message of repentance. Jesus was calling people to turn from their sin, the things that they were doing wrong, turn from that sin and toward him. That's what repentance is. Repentance is just simply saying, I've had enough of this and I'm turning away from it. I realize that what I'm doing is not right. And so these individuals, he was calling them. He wasn't condoning what they were doing. He was calling them to be able to repent. It was a message of repentance. Listen, John chapter 5. Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda. There's an invalid that's there for 30, 38 years. He's just there, can't walk. Jesus heals him. Later on, we're told in chapter 5 that he sees him. You know what he tells that man? Go and sin no more, lest what happens to you is worse. Now, see, not every time that somebody has something wrong with them it's, is it because of sin. But sometimes it is. And apparently with this man, part of his problem must have been some type of sin he did. Because Jesus said, if you don't quit, it's going to be worse. You see, many people will find help, but then they will fall back to the same old lifestyle. And he's calling them out and saying, listen, I want you to sin no more. I want you to turn from that. Turn toward me and be strengthened and and be empowered. John chapter 8 you Remember the woman caught in adultery? Jesus he reaches down and writes something in the ground. All these accusers there, and then they just drop the rocks. They're ready to stone her. And they leave, and Jesus says, where are your accusers? <laughs> they're out there. And he said, well, neither I accuse you. But you know what he does say? Go, sin no more. A call to repentance, a call to change. That's what he does. Jesus calls people to change and to place their faith within him that's why Jesus went to the cross so that we could be able to repent of sin find forgiveness place our faith in him and allow him to be the Lord of our lives that's the gospel that's the message that Jesus shared so the Pharisees were grumbling about this message listen to the Pharisees this is, let me tell you about their attitude what is their attitude toward these tax collectors and sinners we know this from some of the historical writings Pharisees Come comes to tax collectors centers, here's what they said. Uh, never entrust money to them. Don't entrust money. Now, they're not saying don't pay your taxes, but they're saying don't trust them. And you certainly don't want to give them any extra money or have them do anything like that. Don't entrust them with a secret. In other words, he's saying they're not trustworthy at all. Don't tell them any secrets. Don't take their testimony. So, if you're having a court of law, you wanted two or three witnesses, if one of them happened to be a tax collector or a sinner, don't, don't include them. That would also include shepherds or even women back then. And they would say, don't include them as far as testimony. They would also say this, do not make them, appoint them a guardian over an orphan or an estate. Don't travel with them on a journey. Don't go on a trip with somebody that's a tax with a sinner. Don't go on a trip with them. And for Pete's sake, do not do any business whatsoever with them. Avoid them at all costs. In fact, they would say if they come to church, come to the temple, they want to be able to help the poor. They say, I got some extra money. Don't accept it. Don't let them give alms. Don't let them help those that are in need. Don't accept it. And on top of that, here's what they would do. If something bad happened to them, that's when they would rejoice. That's when they got excited. Because you might say, these Pharisees, they don't seem like they're very happy people. They got happy when something bad happened to what they called sinners. They got happy when something bad happened to their enemy. You know, let me just say this. If in your life, the only time that you're happy is if something bad is happening to somebody else, I believe that might be an indication there could be something wrong with you on the inside. That's how they were. They were rejoicing when somebody else is hurting. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see sin and things like that thrive. But you know what? I don't rejoice when I hear somebody's got cancer don't cause me to rejoice. Somebody, this this terrible wreck happened, doesn't cause me to rejoice. These individuals were rejoicing when their enemies suffered. Some people do that when it comes to ball. Don't think that we don't sometimes get our priorities messed up. If you're cheering for this team and something bad happens to you, serves you right. We, sometimes we do. We get ourselves priorities messed up. What about Jesus? Jesus, knowing this about the Pharisees, he leads him to share this parable. So we just see some things here. Then about the shepherd, he says, "Here, let's let's look at some things about a shepherd and the sheep." So if you've got a hundred sheep, one of them's missing. The shepherd will. Keep these sheep over here. They're pretty safe. And he'll leave those 99 to go get the one. You know what that says? That one sheep is valuable to the shepherd. You know what that means? It means every single person is of value to God. Sometimes we have a hard time getting that in our head. People are created in the image of God. Jesus died on the cross for the whole world. He loves everybody. They're of value to him. We have a hard time being able sometimes to accept that. People are different. People have different beliefs. Sometimes we just think, you know, I just don't know that they can be loved. He leaves the 99 to go for the one. Here's the purpose. He's going after the lost sheep. Here's something that the shepherd knows. Sheep aren't very smart. Sheep, they can't protect themselves. If a a wolf or some other type of animal appears, they can't defend themselves. There's no way they can protect themselves. He knows that if they fall, It can't get back up. It can't stand back up on its own. It's cast. And so it will will be it will die a painful death of suffering unless somebody rescues it. Somebody helps it. The shepherd knows that. He knows that these sheep are very, very vulnerable. He also knows that they tend to wander, to go astray, and they don't they're not very observant, and so they may end up falling over a mountain, a cliff, or something like that. And so he just knows that these shepherds are very vulnerable. So he goes after the one. And not only does he go after it, but he's persistent. He does not stop. He does not stop until he finds that sheep. You heard of J.C. Penney. Well, J.C. Penny was actually a person, not just a store. He's the one that started the store. J.C. Penny found himself in his 20s, very depressed, found himself in a mental institution. He didn't really think that there was any hope for him. One day in his room, he heard a commotion, and he went to check it out, and they were in the chapel. He heard people singing, and they were singing about trusting in the Lord, about trusting in Christ. You see, he grew up, his father was a pastor, and his father was a preacher, and he knew about Jesus. He knew about trusting Christ. And so that day, he made a recommitment. That day, he told the Lord, I, I, I want to trust you and follow you, and he came right out of his depression. Changed his life. He lived He his 95 years old and lived a dedicated Christian, serving God. By the way, that tells us something else. Just because a founder or your parents were celebrating Memorial Day, Memorial Weekend, and many is going to the cemetery to honor those that have gone before you, and just because they serve Christ, just because they found the Lord, doesn't mean that you're going to have a relationship with the Lord. See, it's on an individual basis. You, too, need to be able to get that settled yourself, just as J.C. Penney did. And, and so just because you founded a company doesn't mean that company is going to stay with Christian principles after you. Those individuals have to determine that they're going to walk with the Lord, and they're going to serve the Lord, too, and follow Christian principles. We're told here the shepherd, he finds that sheep. He picks the sheep up, and he's going to bring the sheep back on his shoulders, He's carrying the sheep back to safety. Not taking any chances. Could be that the sheep was injured. Could be that the sheep was uh, scared. He picks the sheep up on its shoulder. He loves the sheep, the shepherd. And then, when he comes back, notice what he does. He throws a party. Now, for some people, some shepherds had their own sheep, their own flock. And so they'd be celebrating, this is my sheep that I found, and they're celebrating with others. I want you to rejoice with me. Some, they were shepherding the community sheep. They were people in the community that would, would have a flock together where they could be able to have sacrifices or raise have wool, and they would just partner in together as a community. It could be that the shepherd comes back and he said, you know what? everybody in the community come and celebrate. We got our sheep back. We found this one. And they would come and they would be able to celebrate. They would anticipate the shepherd coming back in with that sheep and just grateful that the sheep is alive. So Jesus tells this parable. And he said, you know, if all of us can relate to that, and we don't find it strange that somebody would go out to find this one wayward sheep, then why would you be upset with trying to reach somebody that's not living right? Why would that bother you? Basically, listen, Jesus, the reason he tells the parable about the sheep, the shepherd, because in John chapter 10, he tells us he is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd... Write this verse down, Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. We'll get to that as we continue to go through the gospel of Luke. Luke 19.10. Here's what it says. Jesus, speaking of himself, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save, just like the shepherd leaving the ninety-nine. To seek those that are lost. So Jesus came to this earth not just to say, Hey, I'm just going to come and check out the creation. Oh, I'm just going to come and check out and introduce people to God. He came out, came to earth with a purpose. To be able to seek and save lost. Let me give you this chapter. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. Here is a prophecy, once again, about religious people who are supposed to be shepherding. This would pertain to the Pharisees of Jesus' day. So this is chapter 34 of Ezekiel. Here's the first, first few verses. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force, with cruelty, you have ruled them. I'm going to move down to verse 10. Listen to what he says to verse 10. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep. And the shepherds shall find themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. For thus saith the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. That's why Jesus comes. His people were being neglected, and Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come and seek them out myself. I love people, and I want to rescue them. Jesus come to seek and save the lost. Here's another verse. Here's a verse you're very familiar with, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Jesus died for sinners. Write this verse down, Isaiah 53, verse 6. Here's what it says, all we like sheep, you and I, we're talking about people of the whole world. We're all like sheep. We've gone astray, each one turning to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So we're like sheep, (laughs) but God has placed our sin upon Christ. Jesus come Seeking to save. And how did he do that? He took on our sin debt. He paid the sin penalty on the cross so that each of us could be able to be forgiven. And then, as Jesus is telling this parable, verse 7, you know what he says? He said, I say to you that likewise there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus said, you you want to make heaven rejoice? Don't don't you want to make God happy? Don't you want to be in His will? He said, here's what's going to do it. Whenever we see someone repent of their sin, turn to Christ. Here's what the deal is. Angels knew this. Why are the angels so happy? Because the angels know that Jesus loved people so much He became a human being. He loved people so much He died for them. But whenever they see somebody accept what God has done it causes a great rejoicing. In fact, the angels are kind of anticipating whenever the gospel is shared. I could almost see them anxious. They're saying, you know, today, the gospel's getting ready to be shared. The Spirit of God is dealing and working. And I can see it. Today, are they going to respond? Today's the day of salvation. Is it going to be the day for this person? And even this morning, in heaven, angels are anticipating. People hearing and responding in repentance. You see, Jesus is basically telling us we're to be about sharing the gospel. Summer's coming on. You know what people say? It's vacation time. We don't have to be very serious in the summertime. Heaven's anticipating People repenting. You know what that means? No vacations. As far as sharing the gospel goes, yeah, take a vacation, but still live for Christ. Still speak and talk about Jesus. Still honor God with your life. Is that important. All of heaven is gathering and waiting. You know, we think about people that have gone on, Could people in heaven know about when somebody gets saved? Well, listen, if the angels are rejoicing and singing and celebrating, whenever that happens, people know. (laughs) Oh, there's another soul. It's kind of like when you go to the hospital, sometimes they'll play those lullabies. You're like, what's happened here? Baby's been born. Well, guess what? In heaven, what's going on here? Somebody's been born again, there's a new birth. And they're celebrating. Wouldn't it be something? If a mom gets the message, maybe the angel just goes and says, listen, the reason we celebrated just a few minutes ago is your prayers have been answered. Your loved one's been saved. We was talking about grumbling. Let's think about it this way. What if you got mad? The Pharisees were bad. I can't believe Jesus is hanging out with those people. He's eating with them. he's, he's, He's accepting them. He's bringing them into the fold. And they're mad. Friend, something is wrong with your heart. If you're mad that somebody has given their life to Christ, I don't want to be in heaven with them. What? It says something about you. It could be that Jesus is speaking directly to you because you're not right with him. You're not going to make it to heaven because a person that knows Christ is going to be like Christ, want to think like Christ, want to live for Christ, and you're going to rejoice when he rejoices, and he rejoices when somebody gives their life to Christ. There's a transformation that takes place. That person is different, and so instead of being upset, we should be rejoicing. There's something wrong with us when we're at church, and we see somebody come to the altar, and we say, oh, no, that's going to make me five minutes late. It says something about our hearts. We're not right with God. You know what we should be doing? We should be celebrating. Look at that. Somebody else had their life transformed. I am, I am ecstatic. It's made my day. Lunch is going to be that much better. Just knowing that this person is right with God. In fact... And I'm thankful that we've got people, when they find out that somebody doesn't know Christ, it bothers them. They pray, and they're willing to go and talk, and they're willing to do something about it. And boy, when they hear, they're ecstatic. We've got people who've got a prayer list, different people that don't know Christ, they're praying for. And you know what? This summer... We're anticipating some of them to hear the gospel. In fact, we're going. Talk to them. We've been, and we're going to continue to go. And talk to them because we want to see them come to know Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision anybody will ever make. And when they make that, we ought to rejoice. Memorial Day. How does this fit with Memorial Day? Because we had people to give their lives so that we could have the freedom that we could have the right to be able to worship and live for the Lord and the right to be able to share the gospel and the good news. And so whenever we do that, we're actually honoring those who've come before us and have given their lives so that we could have that right. You want to honor someone for Memorial Day? Tell somebody else about Jesus. In doing so, you're honoring them. How you celebrate? Does it make you happy? Hearing somebody giving their life to Christ. That's a great sign. Let's take a moment. Let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, I thank you for letting us come today. And Lord, the truth of the matter, with the number of people that we have, there's somebody that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I'm grateful that you, You love that person enough that your Holy Spirit is dealing with them. You're seeking them out. Part of the reason that they're here is because you're at work in their life. Lord, I know in heaven, angels are anxious. They're watching, wanting this to be the day. Lord, I know that there's family that have been praying that this would be the day so, Lord, I just ask that today you would just allow a freedom for people to be able to respond. Lord, sometimes as Christians, we get off track. We lose what we're supposed to be about. And maybe we become even a little bit like the Pharisees. And we really are not focused on the main thing. And Lord, may you help us today to get our hearts and minds right with you. Lord, some of us, we've got so much to be thankful for. And today, we just need to be able to come and just to, just say thank you again for those that's come before us, for how you've blessed us. And Lord, there's other things going on in people's lives. Maybe somebody like J.C. Penny that was dealing with depression, dealing with something else going on in their life. And Lord, the fact is that you've never left them. And you're willing to pick them up and put them on your shoulder and carry them back to safety. Lord, I just ask that you would help that person today to trust you, surrender themselves to you. I ask your will to be done. Bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.